impressive. I'll go ahead and get a quick little shout out in as we come back to the fast lane. I, you know, I'm having some transmission issues with my car. So who do I call? I call my guy Brian Harless. He's with Harless and Sons Landscaping. He guy doesn't even work on cars anymore. He used to, but has transitioned full-time now to landscaping, hence Harless and Sons Landscaping. And he actually talked me through what might be going on with the car. He's like, get it to a shop, get it taken care of as quickly as possible, uh, because driving around could be a real hazard. So um, still knows cars, still knows what he's doing with that type of stuff. That's the type of honesty that we appreciate because we like to keep it real here in the fast lane. And we do that right now in covering the Commonwealth, touching on what might or might not have taken place at the scrimmage for men's basketball at UVA this past weekend. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With Jerry Ratcliffe.com founder and contributor, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, there's plenty more time, including later on, to touch on Virginia football, as depressing as that might be to some fans. But basketball, what stood out to you and your son, Scott, who also writes for JerryRatcliffe.com, what stood out to you guys about this past weekend scrimmage, the first time you get the chance to see what this version of the Wahoos look like? Well, a couple things, Ed. I think, uh, obviously, Reese Bigman was uh, something that everybody was interested to see, you know, how he might have progressed since last season, deciding to come back instead of going to the NBA. And saw a lot more, I think, leadership from him, maturity, confidence. Uh, He looked really comfortable running the team, Uh, was a little more aggressive offensively. And was the same old uh, standard pain in the butt as a uh, defensive guy (laughs) being the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And um, I think he just looked like he was ready for this to be his team and ready for the season to start. I I was also incredibly impressed. Whoops, so we'll get JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Ratcliffe back on momentarily because the scrimmage that came from this past weekend from Virginia, you know, he mentioned Reese Beekman and what Beekman has done for this offense with UVA. You know, it is a transition role because he played point guard some last year, but Kia Clark also got the majority of minutes. But I don't think that's unreasonable to even ask that out of how Beekman will look because He's a guy that came back to Charlottesville, had a chance to test the NBA, had a chance to look at the transfer portal, and either of those could have presented a more appealing option in terms of ball handling, which for his size and skill set, it's not just what you can guard because Beekman is an all-ACC defender, but it is the ability to handle the ball as a player who's you know, got an above-average college offensive game, but an above-average college offensive game probably translates to a very limited NBA offensive game and so the ability to fill that void do other things pick up the slack in other ways that's part of what can make a guy like Reese Beekman stand out for Virginia and I I was very curious to kind of get an idea of how they would look with him running the point so that was one of the things that JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Ratcliffe mentioned as far as what would be of the greatest interest to him. Uh, but as a, a chance now to guess what else looked, stood out to him, Jerry, what else stood out to you about 
Reese, not just Reese Beekman and how the coaching staff is using him, but how the team is adapting to a different role for Beekman and how he pilots the offense and the defense as well. Well, I like the Leon Bond. We he was redshirted last year. We had heard really good things about him from practices last year, and and uh, that he had really come on in the off season working on his game, building strength. Um, and he looked he looked ready to play yesterday. He led the team in scoring with 13 points. Shot the ball well. Um, just looked very uh, strong, confident, athletic, and ready to roll. And uh, that's a good sign. Uh, a lot of people are already saying that he's going to be a, a strong contributor this year. And then Ryan Dunn, who was mentioned last year as a guy who will probably go or could possibly go in the NBA draft this year, looked strong as well. He scored nine points, uh, looked good on defense, and looked ready to accept uh, a more expanded role this year in, on this team. Um, it was interesting seeing a, a lot of the newcomers. They all got some time yesterday. Unfortunately, not many of the guys shot well, particularly three-point range. They only hit four out of 25 shots after uh, some of them participated in a three-point shooting contest before the scrimmage and afterwards none of them could throw a ball in the ocean and um, that that was weird um, considering that they tore it up shooting in the three-point contest so um, that was kind of a strange aspect of the scrimmage, but I think that was just something temporary. Hootie, now we have to talk football. I mean, we don't have to, but we will because Virginia returns for the second half of the season. Will Drake May's Heisman odds drop drastically because he just torches Virginia this coming Saturday? Uh, I'll I tell you what, I, I, I'm expecting to see good things from him. I, I watched their game against Miami the other night. He looked pretty strong. But uh, what impressed me even more was that they have a a really good running attack. And for the first time, maybe since Mac Brown has returned, they appear to have a pretty good defense. And that's something that's held them back in recent years. But uh, they they didn't show many weaknesses to me in that game. So um, I've seen uh, as much as a 21 to 28 point underdog. And I think there's a reason for that. There is. And it's not an exactly uh, endorsement of Virginia. But it's always good to endorse Jerry Ratcliffe. His work is available at jerryratcliffe.com and at jerry underscore ratcliffe, hootie underscore ratcliffe on on Twitter, on Instagram, Jerry Ratcliffe as well on social media. Hootie, thank you for your time today here in the Fast Lane. Much appreciated. And uh, good luck with the trip to Chapel Hill. Hopefully it's more pleasant than it is for uh, Virginia at least. All right, Ed. We'll see you next week. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. With David Cunningham of TechSideline.com, it is a high mark for Virginia Tech. Entering the bye week, they are now 3-4. and four. David, is this an insult? Is this just a good reality for Virginia Tech? That I came away from that game against Wake Forest saying, you know what? This is not an elite football team at Virginia Tech, but it looks like a solid, competent team when everything's working together. Yeah, Ed, I think that's exactly right. First of all, it was great to see you. I'm glad you 
were able to make the trip down to Blacksburg, and I hope it uh, went smoothly for you. But, yeah, no, I, I thought that was my biggest takeaway, too, is that this team can play competent football. This team can be good when it wants to be good, when it wants to put all the pieces together. I think that's the biggest thing, is that Virginia Tech can outcoach other teams. We saw that on Saturday. That's a well-coached team that Dave Clawson has. And Chris Marvin, Tyler Bowen, the defensive and offensive coordinators, both did a really good job in terms of their game plan and scheming up stuff. Tech played that game almost to perfection. Now, the result necessarily wasn't perfect, but the Hokies did their jobs, and, and that's the important part. They're showing improvement, and I think that's the next key to the puzzle, the piece of the puzzle. You've got to keep putting good results together. Tech got back on the on the right foot with that win over Wake Forest. Now what do you do? You've got an open week. Can you, uh, can you get back in the win column when you host Syracuse next week? That's a good question for Virginia Tech. Is it reasonable to say now this team has bowl potential given what they've shown recently and the remaining schedule not exactly being the most intimidating? I think so. I think it might be a little bit early to talk about a bowl game, but I think it's surely possible. I mean, this is a this is a group that has a lot of momentum right now. If you uh, two and one in the last three games. The loss was at number five Florida State in a game that Tech was only down by one possession early in the third quarter. I think this is a team that's showing that it is more and more capable every single week. The question is, can the Hokies continue to make strides in that positive direction, like I already said? But I do think it's possible. The last five games of the season aren't necessarily uh, – it's not Wake Forest and Duke – sorry, it's not North Carolina and Duke and Miami and Clemson and, and Florida State again. You know, these are these are teams that kind of on tech's level are a little bit lower than that. I think there are possible potential wins here. The Hokies could do some damage if they play their cards right. Indeed they could. They're looking viable as he always is. David Cunningham of TechSideline.com with us here in the fast lane. David, thank you much for your time today. We appreciate it and we look forward to uh, chatting with you next Monday before you get too much of me on Tuesday and Wednesday at ACC basketball tip off down in Charlotte. Sounds great, Ed. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you next week. Now to the Liberty Flames. Alan York, play-by-play voice for the Liberty Flames, with us here in the Fast Lane. Alan, first of all, looking back on the victory against Jacksonville State, I had to admit it last week, I thought that was a potential trap game, and boy, Liberty responded in resounding fashion. Meanwhile, Trey is just taking the total self-beating, uh, beating his chest approach because he called that correctly. Uh, for Liberty, though, how big was that victory at Jacksonville State? Not just winning, but the way in which they won, controlling the game, especially in the trenches. First off, Ed, thanks for welcoming back to the show. It's a good karma. Uh, we did the same thing a week ago, and we won. So let's keep the trend going here. <laughs> I think it was big for a number of reasons. Number one, you never want to look ahead and say, what if this happens? But let's say Liberty does get tripped up. Uh, maybe, who knows what's going to happen. But getting that tiebreaker over Western Kentucky is big moving forward. Um, because that gives you a little margin of error, but we all know it's razor thin and you really don't want any. Um, so that gives Liberty some protection. Uh, at the same time, uh, they did dominate the second half of that game. And the way they ran it, they ripped the heart and just the soul out of Jacksonville State at their wideout. And home wins are great. 
But there's something special about winning on the road, and that's exactly what Liberty's uh, uh, was able to do last week at Jacksonville State. Alan York, play-by-play voice Liberty Flames, with us here in the fast lane, trying to edge out his colleague Nick Pierce because Alan's come on now, and they get a big road victory, and uh, you know the trend might have to be continued. Uh, sorry, Nick. Uh, it just is what it is, I guess. Uh, but no, a joke's on that aside, Alan. Uh, you mentioned ripping the heart out of Jacksonville State. Winning up front in the trenches in the way that they dominated time of possession, they now have a blueprint of doing this in a couple of other games this year, but Jacksonville State the most recent. How much does that say that when this offense, if things may be going a little sideways, they now have a clear bread and butter, which is the ability to just pound the rock and do it to perfection? You could look at whatever interview you do, Ed, or your rivals in town or whoever's writing blogs for Liberty. Not many people or groups are talking about the offensive line. Yeah, we've got great individual players, but that unit outside of the secondary and the takeaways defensively, that unit has been a star. And that's a group going into, you scratch your head, well, Brendan Schlittler's hurt in fall camp. They lost another true freshman, uh, you know, tragically. And you just didn't know where that group was going to end up. And lo and behold, they've tightened their belts. Uh, Bill Durkin, just unsung hero, offensive line coach. And you have one of your better players, Xavier Gadlin, moving from tackle inside to guard. And he can handle that move. He's as versatile as any lineman as there is in Conference USA. And that group just has been superstars, in my opinion, and needs to get more credit outside of the individual performances that Liberty's seen this year. Oh, we love nerding out when it comes to offensive line talk. It might be the big uglies, but I prefer the big sexies because, you know, when you win games like that, it's really appealing to the eyes of Liberty fans and others. Uh, You mentioned the tiebreaker with Western Kentucky, so it brings the question up, Alan. Western Kentucky is not the next game. Next game is Middle Tennessee on Tuesday night. Midweek on the mountain comes to Liberty tomorrow night. By the way, tickets at InsaneRadioDeals.com for anyone who wants to go to that. We can hook you up. But you mentioned that. Is Liberty poised to look ahead and be caught napping on Middle Tennessee? No, not at all. And the only reason I brought that point up is because each time you get a win and Liberty knocked them off six in a row, you get that tiebreaker that can come in handy on a rainy day. Uh, not saying that's going to happen, no, but you do have it. But no, certainly not. Not looking ahead. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, Liberty's head coach, has this team you know, laser focused with each opponent. And the reason being is, and he's talked about this ad nauseum until, you know, uh, somebody will listen. You know, in years past, Ed, Liberty had bowl eligibility to fight for. And yeah, you got it last year, midway through the season. And then what's the motivation after that? Yeah, there was some power fives to play, but that's all you played for. And now there's a conference championship game to play for in December. And so you're reaching every rung on that ladder to get there. And each game is a championship. And I love how Jamie Chadwell focuses this team in each week. Each assistant coach has that particular week to build up the championship for that game. I'm not sure which assistant has it for tomorrow night against Middle Tennessee State. But when Liberty beats the Blue Raiders and Lynchburg, I can't wait to take a look at our social media channels to see what has been drummed up for that championship. And that's why Liberty's not overlooking any opponent they played, much less Middle Tennessee State tomorrow night. 
That is encouraging for Liberty Flames fans as Alan York laid it out for us today in the fast lane. Alan, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you much. We'll see you over on the mountain tomorrow night. All right, Dad. Go Flames. Alan York with us here in the fast lane. When we return, the other team up for debate on the best in the Commonwealth of Virginia. In fact, Trey and I kind of said that JMU gets a slight nod in this, but, you know, it's fun to discuss. It's sports talk, media fodder, and you can share your thoughts. Fast lane, Ed Lane. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go ahead and at me. We're big boys. We can handle this. When we return, the JMU Dukes, off that impressive victory, we touch on that next here in the Fast Lane.